0: I recently learned about some cases in history that might help us solve one of our collective social media problems, but we will start here and spend a lot of the show on it. I'm taking down the student loan forgiveness thing. Let's go on this week's Cory Truax show. This is the- Go ahead, buckle in. This is not the typical me. I very rarely get angry about things in the governmental and political world anymore. Don't think it's worth my energy and emotions like it once was. But every now and then, something so egregious, so dumb comes along that, yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of time on it, and I will try to watch my tone. I'm going to do my best on that for this purpose. I I really want to make a strong argument as if you were the jury, and this is my opening, closing statements, and equip you, maybe convince you if you're not on board, equip you and convince you that the right and correct and righteous position is to oppose this particular plan. I'm not even saying all ideas of debt transferal, because it's not forgiveness, it's just transferring the debt to everybody. I'm not saying they're all immoral. I'm not saying... Uh, I'm not saying that there's not people with uh, there's not decent people who are going to benefit there if if it happens. All I'm saying is this in particular way of implementing it is morally reprehensible and intellectually vapid. And I will establish that for you over the next, my guess, like forty minutes, if not the entire show. Welcome to the Corey Truax Show, wherever you find podcasts, and right here on his radio talk. I'm thrilled to have you with us. Amongst many other roles I get to play, it is the, uh, the the role I love playing is the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings. You're invited. Any given Sunday morning would love to have you. You'll also find out on the, on the podcast feed, recent sermons from me from the Gospel of Mark series as we're coming down to the end of that one. Those are always, uh, I, I hope, a valuable listen for you. And again, you're always invited out to Beachwood Church. Speaking of that um, theological point, that's another one I want to get into. I want to I want to get in, if we have it at the end, get into the reality that out there on the internet, there are people saying things like, you know, you Christians, some of you are getting so mad about debt forgiveness when your whole religion is based on transferring a debt to someone else. I think that part has also attributed to my anger. Because, again, I tend not to feel anger anymore, or I don't express it. I do a good job of, of channeling it, because the Lord's been good to... Sanctify that in me. I think that is also why I'm so angry at this. I'm angry at the policy, but I'm angry at the bastardization of Bible over this particular idea. And so I, I want to try to get into all of it today. Let's get started with just the details. Here is what the current administration, the executive administration of the United States of America, says it wants to do that for. Folks who went to college and took out loans and did not have any Pell Grants. Pell Grants are need-based grants so people who, who demonstrate through the completion of something called a FAFSA, an application for federal student aid, that they are in particular need of free money. And that's that's fine. I don't, Actually, fine. Whatever on Pell Grants, I, I have a, uh, a place in my heart or in my mind or intellectually, some Pell Grants might have a really important role. Cool. Uh, the people who did not receive those Pell Grants being eligible for up to $10,000 in student loan transferal to be able to transfer $10,000 of their remaining balance over to the taxpayer. And if you did receive a Pell Grant, $20,000 to uh, transfer your debt over to the taxpayer. Uh, Pay attention to my language there. I am not going to play the game. This isn't debt forgiveness. That's not what this is. You can call it that all you want. There's lots of things Congress does and, uh, bills they pass with stupid names on them that don't mean anything, but it's not forgiveness, right? There's And by the way, this isn't even Congress. This is just the executive or the stroke of a pen taking the largest financial action by the executive branch in the history of the United States, and it's not even close. I'll talk about that more later. All right, so those are some details. Uh, what else happens in this thing? Oh, uh, by, at the end of the year, the pause finally stops. So throughout COVID, so starting March 2020, people didn't have to pay their student loan payments. Now, I will say this of myself. I did. My income wasn't wasn't adjusted. I, I suffered nothing financially, well, investment-wise, but my monthly budget didn't suffer, so I did what men do and adults do, and I paid the debts that I was required to pay and went online every month and did that. But we've had people not having to pay, and so they're going to have to start paying again in December. So that's the plan. Depending on who you have score, score being doing the accounting of the bill, it could cost the taxpayer, cost us that, that pay a bunch of taxes, somewhere between $350 billion. I, I think about half a trillion dollars, $500, billion, $500 billion. There are some people saying it could be closer to a trillion dollars. I saw some of what they're doing there. I don't think it's faithful accounting. Somewhere between three hundred fifty bill and $500 billion that's the plan let me convince you this is a terrible plan and it need not it need not be enacted we we have remedy that i hope will emerge to see that this does not take place in the end one it's not legal the number one reason we shouldn't do this it's not legal both at the constitutional and statutory level first constitutionally it's not the first excuse me, the second article branch of government, it's not the executive branch of government, that can do this sort of spending. I already said it a minute, a minute ago. If it's just $300 billion even, it's the largest executive action in history, and it's not close. When money gets spent in this country, it goes through the legislature. It goes to the people's representatives each and every time. There is no constitutional authority anywhere in the second Article of the Constitution of the United States that says the president or the secretary of education can just by stroke of pen, by fiat, just by saying it into existence, by Michael Scott from the office declaring it into existence, they cannot take $300 billion off the books. They don't have the power to do this in the Constitution. I am reminded at how angry I would get at the most former previous president for. His personal behavior, his personal behavior was egregiously immoral. This is is processionally or by process immoral. It is, it's wrong. You're doing it wrong. I'm caused anger by both things. When someone behaves personally immoral or takes power and law breaks, this is law breaking. This is the president of the United States breaking the law and breaking it as we will see later, just because we happen to be 60 days from an election and- they want to win some votes over. So it's not constitutional. I was, I've been consistent on this for a long time. The most, the most previous president the, and the one before him, I remember the one before him had a giant healthcare law that they, I won't say cheated, but something very closely cheated and connived their way to get their healthcare law through. And then because it was such a garbage law, and it was going to have so many bad consequences, they kept delaying implementation delaying the employer mandate, delaying the taxes. They kept delaying its implementation because of where we were in the economy. And I said then, listen, I don't like your law, but you said you were going to implement it and now you just keep changing the rules. You, the executive branch, can't just do whatever you want. You're not a king. So right now, first, it's not legal. number one reason we shouldn't do this, it's not legal. By the Constitution, but also by statutory law. I found, finally, what justification they were giving and I was I was wrong at first sort of on the justification they were giving they're using something called the Heroes Act it's US code 1087A if you want to look it up 1087A and it was a law passed regarding soldiers at war in wartime that the president and the executive branch office appropriate to the situation that when there is an emergency war is an emergency that the executive branch can forgive debts back here on the homeland for those involved in that war. They are arguing that what's happening with COVID is enough of an emergency that they can just go ahead and forgive this forgive this debt, or excuse me, transfer this debt because of the HEROES Act that had to do primarily with soldiers at war. And now I got folks serving at Applebee's and Chili's, and they're soldiers at war with their their debt being transferred onto everybody else. And by the way, it was not just me. I'm going to play for you now the Speaker of the House, not exactly a conservative constitutionalist who said this year. I mean, but who can remember what we were all doing in February, right? God, that was so long ago, so many years ago back in February. Wait, sorry, is that is that just six months ago? Just six months ago Nancy Pelosi said this? People
1: think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know. <laughs> People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress.
0: Oh, really? All right, so now that it's happening, Speaker Pelosi, you going to stand up and say that again? And of course not. She's been just celebratory, commending the move. But it doesn't take a constitutional scholar, does not take an attorney to know, well, of course he doesn't. By the way, at the same time, the Department of Education issued a statement, you can still go find it on their website like I did, where they said, we have determined, and it was in the legal office of the the Secretary of Education's office, the secretary does not have statutory authority to forgive or otherwise alter loans for for individuals i mean here's what we have on our on our hands again i think the we we decided in covid that the center for disease control can have a, a moratorium on rent just for no reason no one wrote it down anywhere it's just like yeah you guys can uh, tell people to stop paying their rent and mortgage cuz you know covid or whatever and we had an administration say here's all the different ways you're going we're going to require everyone to get vaccines arbitrarily it's going to be employers who have what was it 100 people or 500 people something like that it's going to it's going to be these particular situations and you have to get a vac you have to get a vaccine and in both cases the supreme court correctly says hey um you can't do that no one gave you the authority no one died and made you king no you can't do that and i think we're going to find here the same thing i think they're going to find what's going to be hard is finding someone with standing because you got to be able to show damages like i can't just sue i can't i don't have standing there's some creative legal legal folks out there i've heard some of their theories on how they might do this uh, but i suspect the lawsuits are about to fly and get an injunction put on it and eventually the supreme court Will overturn it. Now that might just be more political games, gamesmanship, where vote folks on the left, nefarious forces on the left, want to be able to run against the Supreme Court and say, "You, you know, the Supreme Court's over, overturning uh, Roe versus Wade. They're overturning good things like loan forgiveness and vaccine mandates and uh, eviction moratorium. That's what uh, the Supreme Court is, and it needs to be fundamentally changed. I don't know if that's part of the the math here, but I know." Certainly, that we have on our hands in this debt forgiveness scheme, or this debt transfer scheme, something that is not legal constitutionally or statutorily. I'm going to go ahead and take the first break for this reason. When we come back, I have like five or six more reasons. And I'll try to slow down some, and I will try to keep my temper even keel. So we'll come back and continue to utterly wreck the stupid, vapid, immoral policy, this specific policy has been rolled out by the Biden administration regarding debt transferal to the taxpayer. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Core True Act show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. Trying to provide you with the definitive takedown, convincing you and prepping you with the information and arguments to say that the current plan on student loan Transfer debt transfer to the taxpayer is morally egregious, intellectually vapid, dumb policy. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show wherever you find podcasts and right here on his radio talk. Find me, Corey Truax, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. It's easy to do. You can find me there. You can also email the show and tell me how right or wrong I am at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. I'm probably going to wait till next week where I do have some. E- a listener emails from previous episodes I just want to get back to we might spend a whole segment on responses from you so that is always appreciated. Number one reason we said this is bad policy is it is it's uh, it's clearly illegal. It's unconstitutional and then in the statute in the statutory law there's no clearance for this. My second category it's a lot of subpoints but I just called it it's utterly unfair in countless ways. Now I tried to count the ways and I'll try to give you some as many as I can, but it's utterly unfair in countless ways. And fairness is something we should care about. Actually, it's something I've talked to you about before. Jonathan Haidt, the social scientist, and his moral foundations system, one of the six core or seven core morals is fairness. Typically, folks on the left are supposed to care more for fairness. And that might be why this policy has been so roundly denigrated and uh and opposed even by a lot of folks on the left because it's so obviously unfair let's first let the president of the united states who put forward this monstrosity try to defend fairness he gets a question it's it's lobbed up there for you sir if you have a good response on fairness i'd love to hear it you'll first hear the question and then an utterly babbling incoherent response
1: is unfair to people who paid their student loans
0: or chose not to take out loans? So, first, good question. Isn't this unfair for people who already paid off their loans? Largely, that's me and my generation of people, people my age, mid 30s, we just finished, pe- fin- finished paying them off or are about to, and then all the folks older than us, or for f- someone who never took out any loan whatsoever. Isn't it unfair to have debt transferred on to them after they never took out any loans? For this, or already paid them all off. Here's that awesome answer. Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion-dollar businesses if see one of these guys get them all a Is that fair? What do you think? Wow. I can't. Like I, I can try to be nice and find his argument. I'm going to do that. But he just, he can't articulate much of anything to, uh, to that question. So he's even trying, he's trying to respond to, hey, this is, uh, he's the question, is it fair or not? And instead of trying to defend his own policy, he does the old schoolyard thing. Well, what about him over there? What I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to justify my behavior by that person's behavior. All right, you're an 82-year-old man. Grow up. Have the ability to defend your own policy without pointing somewhere else. What I think he was trying to do, because he said the thing about the uh, multi-billion dollar businesses, is argue against... Tax cuts that have happened for other people, um, for for the wealthy, for wealthier folks. Which, by the way, every time we do that, it just happens to coincide with all of our best economies, all of our best growth rates, all of our best employment reports, all all of our best wonderful economies where people make the most money are when we cut taxes ne- near to the top, and then that creates all kinds of demand. It's called the Laffer Curve. It's easy economics, not hard to understand. So he had a chance to try to defend his his policy. He had. No answer for it whatsoever. Maybe the person who gets paid to do it, Kareen, I think her name, I think you pronounce it Kareen. Kareen Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesman. Maybe you can talk about how fair it is. How can the country afford such a massive handout?
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, Ambassador Rice said that she's happy to have that discussion. I'm happy to have this discussion as well. Uh, Look, if you look at what this president has done, uh, if you look at the end of this this coming end uh, end of the fiscal year, $1.7 trillion that we have deduced brought down uh, the deficit.
0: Wow, the dishonesty. One, it's not deduce, it's reduce, right? I think she says it again several times. I think she actually might think the word is deduce. That's deduce means to figure something out. Reduce means to bring something down. They're, what they're talking about, bring the deficit down $1.7 trillion. Oh, you mean off COVID spending? <laughs> okay. Like, the, the baseline should be 2019. In 2020, both parties were like, spend every dollar every human's ever made or seen. And then we did it again in 2021. So if you don't bring down the deficit after extraordinary means, it's almost like this. I'm about to close on a house. And so, let's say I were paying for the entire house out of pocket, and the next year, I'm like, honey, I've closed the deficit by 200 and some odd thousand dollars. Do you mean we just didn't buy a house this year? That's what she's trying to argue on how can the country even afford this kind of wealth transfer. That matters.
1: That matters, and if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, it's going to ha- add another 300 billion dollars, going to uh, uh, bring down the deficit. Again. It's
0: not not true, according to the CBO. Plus, you're you're actually saying here that this is going to be 300 and some odd billion dollars. So let's say the Inflation Reduction Act, which is really just a climate change bill, uh, even even and a health care bill. Even if that were true, you just ate it all up, like one week ago you were going to get 300 billion dollars in deficit reduction and the next week you ate it like cake again and you might spend 300 to 900 billion dollars extra so you can do that and not uh, but increase here's the, the thing deficit.
1: here's the thing what we are trying to do here we are doing this responsibly uh, you heard directly from the president. Uh, this is something that is going to be important for middle-class Americans. When you think about ninety percent of the folks who are uh, who are going to actually benefit from this or making seventy-five thousand dollars or less, and you think about what Republicans did just a couple of years ago, uh, they they.
0: Again, here comes the game. Oh, but look look over there. Just look over there, please. But what about them?
1: They signed off on a $2 trillion uh, trillion-dollar tax cut for the wealthy and, and did not provide any way to pay for that.
0: And that's the money line I wanted to get to. This shows how, one, morally empty and intellectually, I'll go with empty for both. Morally and intellectually empty, the left is on this and many other things. One. Again, that tax cut you're talking about led to the fastest growth almost ever. We've had very few periods in American history with that kind of growth that quickly. In the market, in employment, in wages, things were gangbusters because that's how the economy works. You may not like it's how the economy works, but when you cut taxes... Also, by the way, we were getting more tax revenue than ever. 2021, excuse me, that's wrong, 2017, 18, 19, these were record years for inflows. Now the, the the morons with ours by their name kept spending money we didn't have but we were bringing in more money than ever while having healthy one of the healthiest economies we ever had. And th- so that's one when you say well look at what the Republicans did yeah, you mean pass a policy and institute a regulatory environment that led to incredible economic growth for absolutely everyone Two. And then she says, one of the things that gets on my nerves the most, and they didn't pay for it. Yeah, because it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything for people to keep their own money. We didn't spend anything. No one on the right wants to spend anything. It's just saying, we're going to keep, hey, Americans, keep some of your money. Keep more of your money. That doesn't actually cost any money. If you don't get that, that's a reading comprehension level problem, and we know there's no economic comprehension from this group as well. Alright, so it's unfair in endless ways. Biden couldn't defend it. Jean-Pierre couldn't defend it. It's endless how many ways. Oh, I got. I forgot this. I have one more person who wants to try to explain how it could possibly be fair. The president couldn't do it. The spokeswoman couldn't do it. Let's see if Elizabeth Warren can do this when she was asked about loan forgiveness back in 2020. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. i saved all my money. She doesn't have any school on. Am I going to get my money back And so if you didn't hear, hey, my daughter is getting out of school. She takes out no loans. I saved my money. I prepared. Am I going to get any money back? And she didn't just say no. She says, of course not, with a grin on her face. Like she kind of hates this guy to her core. So you're going to pay for people who... Didn't save any money, so, no. and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's
1: not even like we got screwed. When we of course
0: we trouble. did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did, but I worked a double shift, worked extra. My like, dollars works you was ten. So you're laughing. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we. And that's about how it goes. And he he walks away. She she tries, I guess, to explain it, and fails miserably. It isn't fair that this guy did all that. Consider that sacrifice. I think some folks on the left who maybe have lived in poverty mindset, maybe some folks who didn't come from a lot, need to recognize just because some other people have things it doesn't mean they didn't sacrifice. Yeah, you have to look around sometimes at your, at your social group who's running up credit cards, who's spending like crazy on cars and nice experiences and getting all kinds of things while you humbly hold on to your stuff and prepare doing what is technically the right thing, the moral thing with your money. And then the government comes along and says, oh, you people who spent like crazy and lived it up, we're going to bail you out. The same way we bailed out the car manufacturers in 08 and the banks in 08, we're bailing you out. It's not fair to those folks. right? So there's three people who maybe tried to have a shot at explaining how it's fair. They all failed. Let me tell you how it's unfair. One, it's unfair to people who never took on the debt. There's a group of people here who very specifically couldn't afford it. They never could afford college. Then that's a problem in our own country. We need to figure out why college costs so much. I have a lot of thoughts on that, lots of ways to fix it. And because they couldn't afford it, they chose not to participate. I've worked in higher education now for 15 years. I've had those conversations with people, usually late in the summer, where they're, they are dedicated to the concept of never taking on debt. I, I often disagree with that ass, uh, assessment they've come to, but they've decided they're never taking on any debt for college, and they can't afford it any other way, and they just choose other paths. They choose a technical college that's more affordable. They choose not to go to college at all and just get a job somewhere and start working their way up through those ranks. Those people who made the mature choice, I can't afford to go to college even though I want to. They just took on the student loans they didn't want. That's not fair. It's not fair that they avoided student debt, and now as a taxpayer, they will now pay student debt. This is redistributing wealth from college-educated people to non-college-educated people. I think I have said it in some compelling ways. I don't mind saying that about myself. We have decided that those who made the decision not to go into debt, the plumber, the cosmetologist, the electrician, the roofer, the mechanic, we the, the, the person who started just their own small business, those folks are now on the line for their optometrist, for their pharmacist, for their physical therapist, for the accountant at the big company down the road. We are just saying to those people who never took on the debt to go out and make their living, you're going to pay the debts of people who make more than you now and they're probably always going to make more than you. That scenario exists in the millions in this setup, which is why it's morally and intellectually backward. So it's unfair to people who chose to never take on the debt. Number two, It's unfair to the people who are going to take out future loans. We didn't do anything about the future. That's how I know these people are unserious about solving the problem. Not only will this policy not prevent people running up all kinds of debt they can't afford in the future, it's going to make it worse. This happens all the time in higher education. When governments introduce new aid programs, colleges just increase their cost. They do it every single time. The the prospect of another election coming up and a president on the left needing to buy some votes doing this again, that prospect is very high. And so people are less averse to taking out the debt. The colleges are less averse to raising their prices and soaking in more of those federal government dollars through those loans because we all just know the score eventually someone on the left is going to be in electoral trouble and need to bail themselves out and buy some votes and are just going to do it again. This is obviously a political move happening just two months before an election to try to buy votes. And so we're saying to the people in the future, yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, Gary, or whoever's producing this for his radio. If I can't say this, please bleep the word. I'm sorry. It's saying to the folks in the future, screw you, screw you people. We need to win an election right now so we're going to forgive we are going to transfer this debt right now. So, it is unfair to those who never took on debt in the first place. It's unfair to those who are about to take on debt, and it's unfair to the people with debt that they didn't intend to incur. You know, I th- I think one of the moral travesties of our time is how many bankruptcies come from medical debt. I think it's over half. Over half of American bankruptcies are predicated primarily on the fact that someone had a car accident, a an unexpected emergency surgery, and the bill comes home after that emergency surgery and they're sixty thousand dollars in debt and they're never getting out. They're they're a hundred thousand dollars in debt from their emergency bypass and they have another mortgage now. It's and those people, in a, in a lot of ways, did not choose to incur the debt. In some cases, they didn't take care of themselves. They had bad habits. Like they should have, they should have known better, and so they ended up in a lot of debt because they didn't take care of their health. That is one of the scenarios. But I look out at a a, a sea of debt, mortgages and car loans and credit cards and student loans, and then I see this one group of people who are in a lot of debt that it often crushes them and ruins them financially and we're just looking at them and going yeah whatever with you people i don't i'm not i need these votes over here so we have decided for no good reason student loans are right and righteous if you took them out you are a morally good person way over the person who's in medical debt or in credit card debt or who bought a car they couldn't afford we are we are forgiving this particular kind of debt just because we decided and we know it's not for that reason. It's for it's for the votes. It's for, it's for politics. But we just chose that's the debt that we find to be, to be good. So it's unfair to those who never took on the debt. It's those who are about to take on debt. It's unfair to people who took on debt they didn't mean to that just happened to not be in the category of college. And then finally, on the it's not fair category, it actually helps the most privileged people. Remember that college graduates, on average, earn more over their entire lifetime, and just right now, they're earning more. Your average college graduate is earning more than the person, on on average, than the person in the workforce who doesn't have one. That is, of course, not always true. I mean, I think some of those more uh, well-trained things I just mentioned, things like electricians, some plumbers, those in the construction world that have very particular skills and don't have a college degree, a lot of those guys make more money than some entry and mid-level positions that banks and big corporations require college degrees for. But on average, the people who are making the most and will continue to make the most, like their potential to earn more over time is higher for those with a college degree than those without. We are transferring wealth from those with less incomes and will have less income over time to those with more income right now and will earn more income over time. I, I think of also those with college degrees, they are the most employed. I graduated into the Great, the great Recession of 2008 after that big crash. And I, I haven't struggled at all with keeping a job. A lot of my cohorts had some problems. But those with a college degree just have always fared better. It would be different. I do mean this. I I would oppose it, but I do know my attitude would be different if this were true. If what we were saying was, there's a group of people who went to college, they enrolled in a college, and took on a lot of debt, and they never graduated. So they got the worst of both worlds. Now, the chances are, they're going to earn less over time. They're earning less right now. And they have a bill on their monthly budget for hundreds of dollars for an asset that they never got to use. If we were targeting towards them to forgive that debt, I would still oppose it, but my attitude would be, I get that, man, that's a rough one. But that's not at all what we're doing. We're targeting a core left-wing constituency, white educated people, and forgiving their debt to fire them up to vote. And we're going to do that on the backs of everyone who pays taxes. You're out there and you pay any taxes whatsoever. I need you to get this this reality in your in your head. Let's say in 2021 you filed your taxes and you got a receipt. You would see of uh, the $20,000 you paid or whatever, this much went to the military, this much went to... Uh, wh- Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, this much went to unemployment, this, was, this much went to EBT or WIC or all these various welfare programs. Well, if this were to happen in 2022 or in 2023, on that receipt, there would need to be a line item for servicing, paying the debts off of these college graduates. And in that line item, you need to see the debt of your pharmacist and optometrist and physical therapist and high-end accountant. I think it's immoral, it's egregious that the cosmetologist would look down at her receipt for her taxes and see that she paid that for those people. I got more. I, we're not even actually close to finish. the, the, the clock's going to have to run out for me to shut up about this. So we'll come out. We'll come back and continue to talk about why this particular student loan, repair, excuse me, student loan transfer plan is just terrible. We'll do that, and I hope some more on this week's Corey Truax show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. Totally wrecking. The student loan transfer plan from the administration. That's what I'm trying to do with this hour of the Cory Act Show. And I am convinced now it's going to be the whole show. Might even have to go into bonus overtime. You might have, Mike might can tell, I'm fired up about it. I'm also really well prepared with a lot of information. So where we are now on his radio talk and wherever you find podcast on the Cory Act Show is giving you the litany of reasons that this is a bad idea. We started with the reality that it's not legal. It's not legal that they're doing this constitutionally or statutorily. And then two, it's it's unfair. It's unfair to folks who n- never wanted to take out debt in the first place. It's not fair to those who take out future loans. It's not fair for people with different kinds of debt that we just, for no reason at all, don't want to uh, eliminate in some way. And it's unfair in, in large part because it's a wealth transfer to the most privileged, taking one of their burdens and putting it on all of our shoulders, collectively, that brings us to number three. Number three reason we shouldn't do this is it's going to cause inflation. On its face, that's true, right? I, I'll give you this actual in-depth economics here in a second, but just prima facie, on the face of the idea, of course it would. Let's just think this through for a second. They're saying it's three hundred five, three hundred fifty billion. Okay, cool. So you're telling me over the next, whatever it is, 10 years, $350 billion would be spent on student loan payments that would go to the federal government. And now we're not going to do that. Now there's $350 billion that you put into the economy. And where does it go? We buy iPhones and TVs and trips to an island. We buy another car. We go on an extra road trip we weren't going to go on. That's what you do with the three hundred fifty billion dollars that you now put into the economy that already has too many dollars in it chasing after too few goods, and specifically, if it is my age group, we tend to spend our extra money on travel at a time we where we have a constraint on gasoline, on jet fuel. This is this is what you want to do: is put three hundred fifty billion dollars that was designated to come out of the economy through payments of debt that people incurred and instead put it into the economy that already has an inflation problem. Cool. Good job, guys. Good idea. So on its face, it's obviously inflationary. But that's not just me. Larry Summers, who was an economic advisor to both Presidents Clinton and Obama. So here, he's a left-winger. He opposes this idea. He says primarily because of its inflationary effects. It's bad for inflation. That your, Your stuff will continue to cost more. Obama's primary... Uh, President Obama's primary financial advisor, Jason Furman, economic advisor, said the same thing. He said he said this is throwing gasoline on the inflation fire. That's a p- fairly stark language for an a, a, If listen, if you're spending money that an Obama advisor thinks is bad an idea to spend, you're way off. Like you're cause there. There wasn't a dollar those guys didn't want to find and spend on something, and even they think this is bad spending. So it's going to cause inflation, but. Also consider this for a second. We have to start to recognize the deleterious effect of the federal government's involvement in economics when it comes to inflation. I looked this up for you from the Bureau of... What is this? Why is this from the Bureau of Employment? I guess they did an inflation study. I don't know why that is. Anyway, here we go. If you look at 20-year inflation... So that's going... Actually, this thing starts in and. One, So that's not, yeah, well, 2001 until this is about 2020. There are categories of things that inflated at high rates. They got more expensive with, uh, w- sometimes with rates up to 20 and 30%. Here are things that got more expensive. College, medicine, childcare, housing. They all inflated with not just cost, but when you link it to the, the, the what's the word I'm looking for Uh, the value of a dollar in 2001 when it started all of those things got more expensive appreciably over the last 20 years now listen to the things that got less expensive furniture clothes software computers TVs toys and except for right now if you take out if you take out the last two years you could include cars can you spot the economic difference in those categories? Government and regulation from government is heavily involved in college, medicine, childcare, and housing. College, governments give states and federal government give all kinds of money to get people to go to college. They insure the federal debt, and so there's every reason to continue to add administrators and things, and continue to raise your price. Medicine. We have Medicare and Medicaid are the the plurality of dollars spent on medicine. Government gets in there with all the money they spend and it inflates the prices. Childcare. Not from the federal level yet, but lots of states now involved in helping to pay for childcare, which is insanely expensive by the way. I mean, I talk to people with kids who have to send their kids to a daycare or child care. I don't know how any of them are doing it. I int- financially. It's a second mortgage, like it's you own two homes. You're paying, you're paying one mortgage for your house. You're paying another mortgage for your kid to stay in for a few hours every day. For those of you having to do it, well, I don't, I really don't know how you're managing it financially. But it's incredible how uh, expensive it is. One of the reasons is government involvement in those things, and then housing. It's a, it's inflated in that the, especially local governments in places where housing is most expensive, they are. Highly regulatory on who can who can build where and multi-unit homes and things like that. What can't get built? They restrict supply. But over on furniture and clothes and software and TVs and computers, not only have those not inflated, they're all more affordable. If if the dollar is a constant in its value and buying power, they're more affordable now than they were in two thousand in two thousand one. Why? There's no government involved. When government gets involved, things inflate. When government gets involved in economics, things go wrong. So why shouldn't we transfer this debt to the taxpayer? Because it's just going to cause inflation like it always does. And I don't know if this is a different point or not, if this is number three or four. I think this is still a sub-point. It's still going to cause more debt. Because they're not going to raise taxes somewhere else to pay for it. And I know this group, they're not going to cut anything. They're not going to cut a program to pay and offset this. We're just going to, the debt's going to continue to climb. And there is consequences to that eventually, guys. I know it's been climbing for so long, and people like me have been warning about it for so long, that no one believes us anymore. But it happened to Greece, it happened to Italy, it happened to Germany. Austerity measures and shrinking economies. You can't just run up debt forever. It's, it's going to come on our kids and grandkids if it doesn't happen to us. And maybe we should care more about our kids and grandkids and the world they live in. So number one, it's illegal. Number two, it's unfair in more ways than I can possibly count. Number three, it's going to cause, cause more inflation and debt. Four, this is the typical leftist ideal of redistribution of wealth. And here's a key thing. It's a redistribution of wealth through taxes. This is a a pet peeve of mine on the left. They look out at the world and they say, I I can run it better. I know who should have less money and I know who should have more money because I'm just morally superior and I know who should have what. And so I'm just going to get power and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the world the way I want it. And they're going to do it through taxes. I've been saying it all, all show. There is no forgiveness. There is just transfer. That word forgiveness that has to be given by the lender. If my dad loans me 10 grand and I start to try to pay him back and he says, hey, "You know what? No. You don't pay me back. I'm going to absorb that hit." That's debt forgiveness. That's not what happened here. Not at all. What's happening here is more like in that scenario where dad my dad loans me 10 grand it's me saying, hold on, dad, I'm going to get power from the federal government and then I'm going to ask them to make all my neighbors help me pay it off. What we're doing now is people doing nothing at all. Nothing, they didn't do anything wrong. They're just trying to live their lives. They didn't want to be involved in student loans. They wanted nothing to do with student loans. They're just being told, you're going to pay. You're going to pay off these people's student loans. Now, they are too. They're going to be a part of it, but it's just now on you as well. So another reason to oppose it is it's just new taxes, all people who shouldn't have to pay them for other people's debts. Final reason not to do this. It's because we already have a solution. Not to the underlying problem. We have a, you know, it's one of the things that's terrible about this policy is it does nothing to address the insane amount of money it costs to go to college. It just tries to buy votes right now for this moment. But we do have a system, if you don't know about it, it's called Income Based Repayment Plans, IBRs. I'm familiar with this because I work in higher education. Some of you might need to know this. If you're struggling with your student loan payment, it's just too high. With a tax transcript from the IRS in a very short form, you can get your loan payment reduced to, I think, 15% of your income. 15% of your discretionary income, I mean. And part of this policy was to lower that amount to 5%. So let me say this out loud. If that were the policy, if they were changing the income-based repayment plan from 15% to 5%, I think I would just shut up and go on with my life. Because that just means this. Instead of someone paying $300 a month for 10 years, they're going to pay $100 a month for 30 years. I can't do the math in my head on the spot. But whatever it is and when they start making more money they can pay more when they're making less money they can pay less we already have a system in place to alleviate the burden this is placing on people but that system or changing that system that doesn't buy votes that doesn't make a big splash so that you can try to run on it and get get your base fired up because they weren't fired up enough those are my reasons we need to oppose this because it's not legal. It's unfair in countless countless ways. It's going to cause inflation. It redistributes wealth through taxes. And we already have a solution through the income-based repayment plan. Now what should you do? I think actually it is worth reaching out to your congressperson and senators and just to let them know they have support because I know on the right there's always a fear that when the left's trying to give something away, they're trying to give away candies and goodies. They the people on the right are scared. I may not want to try to stop the candy and the goodies because that makes me look like a curmudgeon. But leaders on the right, representatives on the right, they need to know there's actually a lot of us very upset about it, and it's not just people like me. I've seen it. The the polling is starting to come out about it. Lower-income people, they hate this for the most part. This is a very popular policy with white, wealthy people, white, upper-class people it is otherwise not not popular and they need to know they they have support to oppose it and listen the, the actual solution on who might f- f- file the lawsuit people that are a lot smarter than i am are working on that i've read some of the ideas i don't i'm not on board yet on who has standing to actually file the lawsuit but my understanding is some attorneys general are coming together to maybe file this lawsuit that worked with the uh, Eviction moratorium, that worked with uh, some vaccine mandates where a lot of attorneys general from the states stepped up. I think that's the route it has to happen. They They need to file the lawsuit. So, you know, I think it's worth reaching out to Alan Wilson. He is the Attorney General of South Carolina and ask, can you join with other attorneys general and file something for an injunction? Let's stop this. And ultimately, the Supreme Court would have to decide it. I think I want to finish on this. I wanted to get to the theology of it. I don't think I'm going to have time. The To the people who are listening to me, I don't want you to hear any of this. I don't want you to hear me being mad at you if you might benefit. I'm not criticizing you. If the federal government's going to come along and forgive a bunch of debt and you happen to be caught up in that process, you know what? Count it as a blessing or whatever, I guess. That's what that, that's what happened. It was what God purposed for this time. Now, there's a whole other group of people that are demanding it. And if you are demanding that other people pay your debts, you're a morally hazardous person. You're kind of a toxic person. We're not responsible for you, and you need to grow up and grab onto that. You need to grow up and grab onto the reality that you are responsible for you and no one else is. I am criticizing you. If you you think you deserve this transfer of, of wealth, you think you deserve some of my money, you don't. And I, you have a great deal of moral hazard to heap upon you, but if you're just if you're just the person who has a a loose position on this, or maybe you even oppose it and you end up benefiting from it, do hear me say I have no criticism for you. I, I understand. the The people who need the most criticism are the egregious, vapid, moronic government officials who have put this forward. They are the morally wrong ones. They are the intellectually wrong ones. I'm not criticizing the rank and file person who might end up finding some benefit you know i i had more i wanted to do but this is it's big and I, I had a lot of i had a lot of emotions about it maybe you could tell if you want to respond to any of that you can find me on facebook twitter or instagram or at Show at gmail.com i'll be back with another new edition next week until then everybody peace and love